You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host as always, Stephen Carr. If you are a college football fan, we have you covered here at the Locked On Podcast Network. Tune in to your favorite Power 5 conference show, Thursday, September 26th, Friday, September 27th. Search Locked On ACC, Big 10, Big 12, Pac-12, and SEC on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Today is Tuesday, August 31st, and we are now 70 days away from the start of college basketball. Exactly 10 weeks from tonight, Gonzaga will be tipping off yet another season. For the stats nerds out there, you may already know what the number 70 represents. But for those who don't, the number 70 is the number of blocks Austin Day had in his sophomore season. At the time, it set the school record, beating out Roni Turioff's 59 blocks back in 2005. Austin Day's 70 blocks was the school record up until Brandon Clark shattered it 10 years later in 2019 when he had a whopping 117. I think kind of an underrated storyline coming into this next season is if Chet Holmgren can beat that 117 blocks that Brandon Clark had back in 2019. But Austin Day, his two seasons at Gonzaga, he totaled 124 blocks, which is fifth most in a career in Gonzaga history behind Casey Calvary, Robert Sacre, Roni Turioff, and Shemit Karnowski. So there's your Austin Day flashback for the week. 70 blocks in his sophomore season, a school record that stood for 10 years before Brandon Clark came along. Speaking of Brandon Clark, tomorrow's number of 69 may have something to do with that guy. So come back tomorrow to find out what nice statistic I am talking about. All right, today on the show, we are wrapping up both of our month-long series that we've been doing on the program as September is finally here. Our individual season reviews will end today with one final look back on the 2021 Gonzaga Bulldogs, who are one win away from history. We'll also finish up our Path to Playing Time series with some words on Peyton Muma and Callie Stokes, the two final freshmen in this year's Gonzaga women's recruiting class. Before we get to that, I want to talk about non-conference scheduling news for BYU and St. Mary's because it came out yesterday that uh, they're both going to play Missouri State. This coming season, BYU is going to go to Missouri State and play them on December 4th, and um, St. Mary's is going to host Missouri State December 21st. So if you want to look just real quickly at these two non-conference schedules, I really like what BYU has done with their non-conference slate. Obviously, they've got their fair share of uh, mid-major buy games at home. They get Cleveland State, they get Texas Southern, all those kinds of teams, but they get San Diego State at home. And then they travel on the road to Missouri State, like I said, but they also travel on the road to Utah. They play Weber State on the road, a big Sky team, normally a pretty good one. And they play Utah Valley on the road. So a couple mid-major road games. And then their neutral site games, they get Creighton. They get the Diamond Head Classic in Hawaii with a chance to play Vanderbilt and Stanford in that thing. And then they play Oregon in November, a non-conference game uh, in Portland against Oregon. So I think that's a really good non-conference schedule for BYU and something uh, that can give them, you know, enough to get an at-large bid as, you know, a seven or an eight seed in the NCAA tournament if they're as good as people think they are. And then for St. Mary's, 
they get uh, one true road game, as of now at least, in their non-conference schedule. They play at Colorado State. Everything else is a home game or the Maui Invitational, which is slated to be a pretty good field. They, they, uh, they play Notre Dame in the first round, and if they win that, they also will face Oregon. So a chance for both BYU and St. Mary's to face an Oregon team that's probably going to be in the top 15 to start the season. Their biggest home games are Yale, Missouri State, and UC Santa Barbara. So BYU's non-conference late, harder than St. Mary's, but St. Mary's does have a chance if they can beat Notre Dame in that first round of the Maui Invitational to get three really, really good um, quad one games under their belt as well in their non-conference slate. Okay, that's all I wanted to talk about with the news and notes. Coming up, we reminisce on the historic 2021 Gonzaga Bulldogs. One last time, we say goodbye to some Gonzaga legends. We have some ridiculous statistics about the historic season from each individual player that was in the rotation, and we look ahead to the future. But first, I want to get real for a second. There are a few things in life that just aren't fun to talk about. One of them is excessive sweating. You know when you're sweating through your shirts for no reason? It's embarrassing, right? I know this isn't life and death. There are much worse problems going on in the world, but let's be honest. In the moment, it does feel like a big deal. Nobody likes to pit out during an important speech or an interview or God forbid, a first date. I'd much rather not worry about it, and now you don't have to. Introducing Sweatblock Antiperspirant Wipes. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. They are doctor-recommended and doctor-created right here in the United States. You simply apply it at night before bedtime, you go to bed, and the next morning you wake up, you wash, you go about your day without worrying about sweat, guaranteed. If Sweatblock doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. I can personally testify I've got the Sweatblock deodorant and it is absolutely fantastic. No more pitting out. No more picking shirts based on which one will hide the sweat best. If you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on or at Amazon and CVS. Also, a minute to talk about Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com So throughout the last month, we've been going through these season and reviews since 1999. We've kind of just gone through the schedules and gone through a lot of the old games and I kind of gave a recap of the season with the 2021 season so fresh I don't think I need to necessarily go through each individual big game and, and say who scored because we kind of remember all that I instead I kind of want to do a celebration of these players and point out just how talented this roster was coming into the year obviously we knew that COVID um, would have some sort of effect on this team and on college basketball as a whole, the first thing that it did was it altered the schedule. I mean, schedules were made, you know, within 48 hours of games in some cases. Um, and in terms of the roster over the offseason, I think COVID was one of the big reasons why Corey Kispert decided to come back to school. 
If he had a full and normal NBA draft process, I think he would have gone into the NBA draft last offseason. But because there was so much uncertainty, Gonzaga was lucky enough to have him back for his senior season, which was obviously absolutely enormous. On that same note, it's the same reason I think why Philip Petrushev left is because there's so much uncertainty and he wanted to just stay home in Serbia. So instead, that left Drew Timmy to become the guy. And I think both Gonzaga and Philip Petrushev were better off um, with that decision. I think Petrushev broke out in a way I don't necessarily think he would have been able to do at Gonzaga, showing off his perimeter skills. Um, and I think Drew Timmy... And Gonzaga were better off um, just based on their roster makeup. Obviously, Drew Timmy had a phenomenal season, and we'll get to some of his stats here in a second. And then, of course, the biggest part of COVID was that they allowed uh, basically everybody to have um, waivers passed. And, you know, a week before the season, they said that Andrew Nemhard was eligible to play. And the coolest thing, as we remember, coaching staff goes to Jalen Suggs and says, Hey, are you sure that you're cool with Andrew Nemhard playing this year? And Jalen Suggs says, absolutely, 100%, he makes us better, and I just want to win. And that's the epitome of Jalen Suggs. That's the epitome of being a Zag. And we all know how the season goes. They start preseason number one, and they remain number one, wire to wire, the entire season. And they start the year with a 102-90 win against Kansas. And the first basket of Jalen Suggs' career was a poster alley-oop dunk from Joel Yai on a fast break. Of course, he got a technical foul because referees don't like fun. But then there were just moments. Every single game, every single big game seemed to have some sort of moment. In the West Virginia game, Jalen Suggs goes down. We thought his career was over with Gonzaga. And I think every person that was watching that game thought he tore his Achilles or something happened where it was a season-ending injury. We got incredibly, incredibly lucky that he was able to come back, not just you know within a few games, but he came back in that game. Obviously, Andrew Nemhard was the one that led Gonzaga to that victory. He had a season-high 19 points in that game. But the fact that Jalen Suggs showed uh, his toughness and was able to come back was a moment in and of itself. And of course, Mark Few beat Bob Huggins once again. Another moment in the Iowa game was Jalen Suggs' performance in that thing. The number one team against the number three team in the country. Gonzaga was coming off of a COVID pause. They had, what, like two practices in like a 10-day span, Mark Few said that they were throwing the ball all over the place in their first practice back. He was not sure how the team would react against uh, Iowa. And Jalen Suggs came out and hit seven threes in this game, 27 points. And Joel Yai, I think this was a record, at least a modern-day record, yet 18 rebounds for Gonzaga. 11 points, 18 rebounds, and six assists. Gonzaga scores 99 points despite practicing two times in two weeks and beats Iowa for yet another moment. Just four games into the season and Gonzaga's basically got four moments already. The next moment came a couple days later and it wasn't necessarily Gonzaga related, but it was the team that they played, Northwestern State. They played them back-to-back nights and it was the Larry Owens show in Spokane. The big fella scored like eight points in the matter of two minutes and he and Drew Timmy were going back and forth laughing with each other, and Gonzaga fans kind of took Larry Owens as one of their own, and he's become kind of a celebrity on Gonzaga Twitter, and it was really cool to see uh, Gonzaga be so receptive to such a fun-loving guy. Next moment, very next game, Virginia. Corey Kispert ties a school record with nine threes. Gonzaga smokes Tony Bennett's 
pack line defense scores 98 points. Corey Kisper goes for 32 points, and Drew Timmy goes for 29 points. It's hard to remember that Drew Timmy scored 29 points in that game because Corey Kispert was so good, but Drew Timmy scored 29 points on 9 of 15 shooting in that game, and he was unbelievably good. They turned the ball over seven total times against Virginia's defense, which is crazy good. Gonzaga started the year 7-0, and they had four wins over top 15 teams already. Another moment came in early January, the first triple-double in school history, Joel Yai, and he did it three minutes into the second half. It took him, I think, 22 minutes of actual game time to pull off the triple-double. He finished with 12 points, 13 rebounds, 14 assists in just 28 minutes. Gonzaga beats Portland 116-88 to for yet another moment. There's a lot of just really good individual moments as well um, this season. I think the, the one that I remember from Aaron Cook is he was the... Uh, Energizer Bunny in that game at St. Mary's. Gonzaga was not playing well in that first half. Aaron Cook came out, and he was really the the spark that Gonzaga needed. He had eight points and a few rebounds off the bench, and he really got Gonzaga going towards the end of that first half in that game at Moraga. Gonzaga ends up winning that thing 73-59. to So even though he was probably the um, seventh man out of the seven-man rotation, he definitely had his own moments throughout the year, and that was one of them, helped them win that game at St. Mary's. Of course, Gonzaga moves into the WCC tournament 24-0. They smack St. Mary's again in the WCC semifinals. And then probably the second biggest moment of the year was the WCC championship game. BYU could not miss anything. Trevin Nell hit five threes for them. Alex Barcelo played really well. Matt Harms was pretty efficient from the floor. And BYU was up double digits for a lot of that game. And then Gonzaga came out of halftime and they put the clamps down finally defensively. And Jalen Suggs, you know, when Gonzaga needed baskets throughout the season, it was Jalen Suggs who delivered and he did it again in the WCC championship. He had been ice cold for like a month from beyond the arc. It didn't matter. He hit the two biggest threes of the season up until that point gives Gonzaga a WCC championship win over BYU, their 26th straight victory and their 23rd straight victory by double digits. Gonzaga goes from the West Virginia game all the way through BYU winning every single game by double digits. The only game all season long up until the UCLA game um, that they didn't win by double digits was that West Virginia game, the third game of the season. And then the NCAA tournament, also full of moments. Drew Timmy had his offensive moment against Oklahoma. 9 of 12 from the field, 12 of 14 from the free throw line, 30 points and 13 rebounds. Just the fourth Gonzaga player to ever score 30 in an NCAA tournament game. Andrew Nemhard, he had his moment against Creighton. 8 assists, 17 points. He had eight assists multiple times in this NCAA tournament. He's the only Gonzaga player to ever have eight assists in multiple games in a single NCAA tournament. Gonzaga gets to the Elite Eight, and they feast on a USC team that a lot of people thought would give Gonzaga problems because of Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley was not an issue uh, defensively for Gonzaga. Drew Timmy, 23 points in that game. Jalen Suggs and Corey Kisper both with 18. Gonzaga gets back to the Final Four for the second time in school history. And then just moment after moment after moment in the UCLA game. I mean, you could pick five different moments from this game. 
If I had to rank the top three moments of that game, I'd say number three was Andrew Nemhard's step back three with about a minute left in overtime, which I thought gave Gonzaga the win in that game. The second biggest moment, of course, is Drew Timmy's charge, which was absolutely ridiculous. Such a ballsy play. And I thought it was the right call, too, uh, by a referee. And really crazy that the referee made that call in that moment as well. And then, of course, is the number one moment. And I will let Tom Hudson and Adam Morrison do the explaining on that one. Now drives, leans in, the runner comes up short, choosing the rebounds and puts it in. We're tied at 90. Three seconds left. Here's Suggs the other way. Pull up three for the win. Yes! Yes! Set yes! of the championship game. He knocked no! from 40 at the buzzer. Yes! The Bulldogs. Wow. Play for a national championship. Most of us are probably still going to listen to that thing and get goosebumps until the day we die. And then the national championship happened, and Baylor was the better team that day. There was absolutely no question about it. They controlled the entire game. Gonzaga, I mean, I've been through this before, but Gonzaga got the stops that they needed the first couple of possessions, and they just didn't get the offensive rebounds. And then on their own offensive possessions, they had an open three that they normally hit from Corey Kispert, and they didn't make it. And then they had two different layups early on in that game that they made all season long. Didn't make either one of them. And it was just an avalanche in the first 10 minutes and Gonzaga could not recover. And it was just a very unfortunate end to what was a historic season and what should have been a historic national championship game. A game that probably, if you play it 10 times, comes down to the wire 7 out of 10 times. I think there's a couple blowouts by each team. Um, and then, you know, 6 or 7 of those come down to the wire. And unfortunately, Baylor was the best team on that night. I want to go through just some historic statistics uh, for all Gonzaga. Basically, the six main rotation guys for Gonzaga. I went through some individual moments from Aaron Cook, but statistically, he didn't have um, anything that was super historic. The other six guys all did. So I'll go from the top. Drew Timmy, he is one of just two players in the Mark Few era to average 19 points and seven rebounds a game throughout a season. The only other guy to do that was J.P. Batista. That's it. That's the list. J.P. Batista, Drew Timmy, the only two guys in the Mark Few era to average 19 and 7. Corey Kispert averaged 18.6 points, five rebounds, and just under two assists. He shot the ball 44% from deep. There's only one other player in the Mark Few era to average 18 points and shoot the ball 44% from deep. That man is named Dan Dickow, and he did it twice. Corey Kispert and Dan Dickow, the only two guys to do that. Jalen Suggs finished with 14.5 points, just over five rebounds, and four and a half assists. There's only two players in the Mark Few era to average 14 points, five rebounds, and four assists throughout a season. It's Jalen Suggs and it's Nigel Williams-Goss, who are arguably the two best point guards and the two best leaders that Gonzaga had. And there's no, probably no coincidence that those are the two point guards uh, in the two national championship games that Gonzaga's had in school history. Williams Goss, Jalen Suggs, the only ones with 14 points, five rebounds, and four assists a game. Joel Yai, obviously he had the first triple-double in school history, but he also had 6.9 rebounds a game, which is the record, the school record, for most rebounds by any guard in Gonzaga history. He set the record the year prior when he averaged 6.3, which broke Nigel Williams-Goss's record from 2017, and then he broke his own record this past season with 6.9 rebounds a game, including a first-ever triple-double in school history. 
Andrew Nemhard, he has the second best assist to turnover ratio that I can find over the last 20 years of Gonzaga basketball. The only other player to have a better assist to turnover ratio was Kevin Pangos in his senior year. He had 4.8 assists to 1.3 turnovers. Andrew Nemhard had 4.4 assists to 1.2 turnovers. So Kevin Pangos beats him out just barely. But Andrew Nemhard, one of the best assist to turnover ratios in the history of the school. And then there's Anton Watson. He shot 71% inside the arc last season. He was 86 for 121. He shot 71%. The only qualified player over the last 30 years of Gonzaga basketball to shoot better from inside the arc was Casey Calvary in 1999. He shot 72%, just beating out Anton Watson 71%, but a historic season For Anton Watson, a historic season for Nemhard, Joel Yai, Corey Kispert, Jalen Suggs, Drew Timmy, and Gonzaga basketball. And the only thing left for this program to accomplish is to win that elusive national championship. And that is a good segue to what we're going to be doing the next two days, which is full season previews for both the men's and the women's team. And I will explain that at the end of today's show. That is enough for today's look back on the 2021 Gonzaga Bulldogs. I hope you guys enjoyed reminiscing on all these teams over the last 20 years and listening to guys from the past, um, some great players that you guys may have forgotten about, um, some moments that you guys may have forgotten about, and just a cool kind of look back to get us through the offseason here. All right, coming up to finish the show today. We are finishing up our Path to Playing Time series with some words on Peyton Muma and Callie Stokes, two freshmen trying to prove they belong from day one. Before we talk about them, I want to talk about Bet Online. It is that time of year again, and all eyes are turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start their season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest, both open now at BetOnline. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Hard Knocks Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25. For new customers, only when signing up and using the promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. From football, basketball, and boxing right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. That's Bet Online. Your online sportsbook experts use promo codes Locked On and NFL100. Okay, so for those who've been paying attention, as I've mentioned before, as we've gone through all of these Gonzaga women's players... The Gonzaga women have a four-person freshman class coming to campus. We've talked about two of them in five-star Bree Salenbein and then one of the best international prospects in Esther Little. Now we finish our series with two more local players in uh, Peyton Muma and Callie Stokes. And the path to playing time for them both is pretty simple. Show us what you got. And I lump these two together because I'm not sure either of them are going to play a ton of minutes as freshmen. Peyton Muma is probably closer to game action than Callie Stokes is just because she is a pure point guard and they need help at that spot. Peyton Muma, she's a 5'8 guard from Colorado. She was ranked the number two prospect in the state. As a junior, she averaged 15 points, four assists, three rebounds, and three steals. Based on the highlights that I've seen online, she looks like a total pest 
on defense. Somebody you do not want guarding you. She's got super active hands, jumps in the passing lanes all the time. And then on the offensive end, she's got a really good mid-range game. I'm not sure it's extended out to the three-point line quite yet, but a good mid-range game, really good court vision. Whether that's enough to play backup guard minutes right away, I don't know. I think that remains to be seen. The fact that Lily Scanlon, who was one of the backup guards last year, left school to go play in Australia, that opens up some minutes for playing time for Peyton Muma, but we'll see. The other freshman here, Callie Stokes. She is an incredible two-sport athlete. Uh, she was a co-MVP in basketball for her league, and she was a first-team all-league performer in softball as a senior. She went to Redondo Union High School in Southern California, and she dealt with a injury her junior year, which uh, limited pretty much her entire season. And then her senior year, she's a six-foot wing, and she broke out and had a massive season uh, on the basketball court, scoring 21 points a game, grabbing 11 and a half rebounds a night. And it turned a lot of heads, and it shot her up a bunch of recruiting rankings, but she was already committed to Gonzaga. So Gonzaga got on her early, and she was kind of a late bloomer in high school. But she is in kind of an interesting spot on the roster because she's in that same role as Bree Salenbein and Esther Little, and it's hard to imagine that she beats out either of them for minutes on the perimeter right away. But she is another one of those super versatile, six foot, six foot one prospects who can play guard, who can play forward, who can play on the wing, basically play anywhere on the court. And Lisa Fortier is just stacking her roster with a bunch of those types of players, which is interesting and a little bit different from the past few seasons. And it's going to be very, very interesting. And I'm intrigued to see how these players get utilized and if the coaching staff changes their style of play at all. Okay, that is going to do it for today's show. We, my friends, have made it through the dog days of the offseason. September is here. Practices start in just a couple of weeks. Tomorrow and Thursday, we are doing one big mega preview of the Gonzaga men and Gonzaga women's basketball seasons. Tomorrow is going to be the women. Thursday is going to be the men. We will preview the rosters. We will give the three biggest storylines to watch entering the season. You may be thinking, it's only September 1st. This still seems pretty early to do full previews. I promise you it will make sense next Monday why we are doing this. After the previews, we will have a mailbag episode on Friday to wrap up this week's shows. I will tell you probably tomorrow how you can uh, submit questions for that mailbag. Three huge episodes packed with content coming up for you guys to finish this week. Before we go today, if you are a baseball fan, betting on the MLB does not have to be a guessing game anymore. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. Please don't forget to rate and subscribe to this podcast and leave us a five-star rating. You can follow me on Twitter at SCargo. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnZags. If you want to email the show, feel free to do so. It's LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Everybody, enjoy your Tuesday. We'll see you back here on Wednesday morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.